Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We're glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. It was that way. In 2005, there was this French documentary okay, that was released. That French documentary was titled The March of the Penguins. Okay? It was, uh, it was released by Alex uh, Warman. Now, in this particular documentary, it reveals the extraordinary length to which the emperor penguins go, to order, uh, go in order to raise their kids. Okay? The breeding process involved a very long march by the male penguin. That's why I say it's tied to the Father's Day. A very long march by the male penguin between the breeding ground and the food supply. During the, mo- during the long march, the male penguin will incubate the egg, will carry the egg, incubate it throughout the winter blizzards, okay, and does whatever is necessary to make sure that the egg is protected. The male will do everything possible to make sure that that egg receives all the attention and all the care that it needs. And because of that very long walk between where the breeding takes place and the feeding area, what you find is that the male penguin had to travel that particular distance and they sometimes starve themselves. They sometimes starve themselves just to make sure that they protect the upcoming young ones. Okay, The commitment of the male penguin to the birth of the next generation is what, you know, is one thing that, you know, keeps the the, the, the male penguin, uh, you know, that is what keeps them going. The fact that they know that a new life is on the way. The fact that they know that they have to protect that particular egg or else there will be no future. Because they know the importance of that particular match. They do everything possible to make sure that the egg is protected. The question that comes to mind is that why is it necessary? What is the thing that motivates these male penguins? What motivates them to be able to take that match? What motivates them to be able to pay the sacrifice? What motivates them to be able to make a commitment to seeing that the next generation will come to life? What? They don't have a committee like us. They don't have the advanced brain like us. They don't sit down and say, okay, I have I built a house here, I built a this there, I have cars, I have a mutual fund, I have stock that I want to give to my children. They don't have all those things, but they are motivated, they are determined to make sure that their next generation is preserved and is brought to life. Why? There's only one excuse, there's only one thing that we can use to explain this, and that is the automatic response to the natural survival instinct encoded in their DNA. That is the only thing. It is the natural instinct of survival and the passing along of one gene to the next generation. That is the only thing that they have going for them. They don't have the understanding. They don't have the wisdom. They don't have the rational reasoning of men, like, of, of human beings. They only have their DNAs to move by. Now, if penguin understand, the penguin understand that the survival of the next generation is a function of the commitment and of the function of the commitment of the present generation to take that long walk. 
What does that mean? The penguins understand that if they are going to have a tomorrow, if they are going to have a next generation, if they are going to have people that will survive them, they must make that journey. They must be committed to that next generation. They must be willing to sacrifice to make sure that that next generation you know, comes to life. And the same thing happens to us here. If we are going to see the future that we are looking for, if we are going to see the future that God has promised us, if we are going to see a better life for our own families, if we are going to see the things that God has promised unto us, we must be willing to make certain commitments. Because if you don't make those commitments, we might have the good life today, but the assurance of tomorrow is not guaranteed. The penguins understand that if the present generation is not committed to taking the long journey, they have no future. Now, from the actions of the penguin, one can comfortably say that the realization of your desired future, the realization of your goals, of your dreams, of your aspiration, the realization of the things that God has sp spoken into your life is a function of, a, of your commitments. To realize that desired future, you must be willing to make a commitment. And the interesting thing is that many in our culture are afraid of commitments. Afraid of commitments. Okay? For some reason, even people in the church don't like the word commitment. Okay? They believe that commitments means lack of freedom, lack of choice, bondage, or restrictions. Just have this feeling that when you talk about commitments, it means that they are no longer free to do what they want to do. Okay? And the interesting thing is that very few people see commitment as a promise that they have made that must be kept. People, very few people see commitment as a pledge that they must fulfill. They don't see commitment as a thing that they have actually, they, they have given themselves to. A commitment to fulfill the promise that they have made. They don't see it that way. And because they cannot see commitment in those times, they have difficulty relating with the word commitment. Because what makes a father different from just somebody who gives back to a boy or give back to a son or give back to a child is the fact that they are committed to the raising of that particular child. What differentiates a mother from just any other woman that gives back to a child is the commitment to see to the welfare of that particular child. Commitment makes the difference. I want you to look at it. Take a look at this cartoon. Okay? I don't know if you can read what is in there, but I'll read it to you. The cartoon says... <laughs> You have a 30-year mortgage, a five-year lease, a five-year car lease, a lifetime gym membership, but you are afraid of commitment. Isn't that interesting? <laughs> you know? How can you be afraid of commitment when you sign a 30-year lease? How are you sure you're going to be around in the next 30 years? But you sign that lease anyway. How are you sure you're going to be around even for the next five years? But you sign a lease for your car. But when we ask you to make a commitment to Lord Jesus Christ, I say, ah, no, not me. I still have to enjoy my life. You know? When we ask you to make a commitment to a very simple process, you are afraid to make that commitment, but you are not afraid to make commitment to the things of this particular world. The book of Ruth, the book of Ruth that we read this morning is a good illustration of the power of commitment. For those of us who are familiar with the book of Ruth, you will know that the book of Ruth started with a family called the family of Elimelech, his wife Naomi, his two sons, Marlon and Shilon, and they moved, they used to live in Bethlehem. The Bethlehem, the Bible refers to as a place of bread. They used to live in a place of bread. For some reason, the place of bread became a place of famine, a place of destitute, and they had to move. And when they moved, they moved to Moab, a place that God was not even happy about. They moved there. And when they moved there, the Bible says that Elimelech died. 
and the sons of Ruth got married. The sons of uh, Elimelech got married. One of them got married to Ruth, the other one to offer. And as time went on, the death sentence that has been placed upon the family continued. The two sons died. And Naomi now got the word from the place of bread and said, there is bread again in Bethlehem. And she wanted to go back. Okay? And as she wanted to go back, we want to pick the story up from verse number 12 of Genesis chapter, of, of uh, Ruth chapter 1. Ruth chapter 1, reading from verse number 12, the Bible says, Turn back, my daughters, go forth. I am too old to have a husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have a husband tonight and should bear sons, would you wait for them till they were grown? Would you restrain yourself from having husbands? No, my daughters, for it grieves me very much for your sake that the hand of the Lord had gone against me. Then lifted up their voices and wept again and offered kissed her mother-in-law. But Ruth clung to her and said, Look, your sister-in-law had gone back to her people and to her God. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you, nor to turn back from following after you. For for wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me, and also... And much more, and more also, if anything but death part you and me. Now, when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped speaking unto her. In other words, she stopped convincing her to go back. If you have your Bible, I want you to actually pay attention to verse number 16 and 17. Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave you. Or to turn back from falling after you. For wherever you go, I will go. And wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God shall be my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. The Lord do so to me. And also more. And more also. If anything but death, part me. Now, here was a woman who had lost her husband. Okay? A woman with a chance to break from her past. A woman with an opportunity to start afresh. A woman that now can say, okay, I am free to go and live my life the way I'm supposed to go and live my life. Given the opportunity to move ahead with her life, what did she do? The Bible said that she chose to remain with Naomi. She chose to remain with Naomi. The question is why? Why would you want to remain in a place where you have been set free? Why would you want to remain in a particular case, in a relationship that no longer is productive? Why would you want to remain in a relationship that is not giving you what you are supposed to have? The Bible gave the Bible does not give us any particular clear answer. Doesn't give us any specific reason why Naomi, why Ruth decided to stay with Naomi. But just reading from that particular book of Ruth, you will see that the reason. You know, from the verse of the scripture you just read, you will see that Ruth's action was characterized by three basic reasons. The first one was a conscious decision. Number two was a rugged determination. Number three was a heartfelt commitment. Ruth's decision to walk with Naomi was number one, a very conscious decision. He said, please don't tell me to go back. I've made up my mind. It was a rugged determination. When Naomi was saying, follow after offer, go up to your fathers, go to your gods, go back to your country. She was determined to say, no, I'm going to remain. And then there was a heartfelt commitment. He said, anywhere you go, I will go. Where you die, I will die. Where you are buried is where I'm going to be buried. Okay? A conscious decision strengthened by will. Uh, strengthened by willful determination resulting in a heartfelt decision. That was what led, that was what led Ruth to where she was. Now, I want you to understand one thing. If we are going to step into the future that God has prepared for us as individual and as a family, 
if you are going to move from where you are to where you need to be, we will not realize that particular future until we make a conscious decision. You have to make a conscious decision. And that decision is that, he said, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following you. That was what Ruth had to say to Naomi. If you are going to do what you need to do to get to where you need to get to, you have to make up your mind regardless of what every other person is saying. Regardless of what you are seeing or what you are hearing, you have to make up your mind. If God has told you, this is where I am taking you. This is what I want to do for you. This is the revelation he has given to you. And you have it at the back of your mind that when I grow up, I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be this. You have to make a conscious decision that nobody will be able to change your mind. If you don't make up that conscious decision, I can bet you somebody else will make that decision for you. Somebody else will make that decision for you. And that is why we're always encouraging people when they have younger ones as they are growing up that you begin to have a conversation with them. So that when you begin to tell them some of the things that they need to know, when they, you know, they, will, they, they, they will be well prepared so that when they go outside, when they hear those words, they are already informed about those, informa- about those things. But if you refuse to make that decision, if you refuse to talk to them, if you refuse to have that conversation, I can bet you that somebody else will have that conversation with them. And I can tell you that they will not get the better information. Because your information that you give is much, much better. It's better to hear certain information from you. If you are going to move from where we are to where we need to be, number one, there has to be a conscious decision. Number two, there has to be a willful determination. For wherever you go, I will go. In other words, whatever it takes to fulfill that particular promise that I've made, I am willing to make that particular determination. I am willing to be able to sacrifice. I'm willing to be able to take that particular step. Ruth told Naomi, he said, wherever you go, I will go. Regardless of what that particular future holds, regardless of what that particular thing looks like, I am determined to go with you. And that is what it will take if we are going to move from where we are to where God wants us to go. And then number three, there was a heartfelt commitment. He's not just saying I'm determined. I am making a commitment to you right now, right now, Naomi, that where you die is where I'm going to die. Where you are buried is where I'm going to be buried. Your God will be my God. In other words, I am not just making a commitment by word of mouth. Because people make commitment by the word of their mouth. And when things begin to go rough, they say, well, they begin to look for excuses. And they have a reason to give excuses because they did not plan, they did not bargain for the tough, for the, for the difficult part of life. But Ruth is saying, I'm not just deciding to follow you. I'm not just determined to work with you. I am making a heartfelt commitment. I am telling you that you can count on it. I'm telling you that no matter the condition, no matter how terrible the condition will be, no matter how difficult the journey is, no matter how things begin to turn out, I am making a commitment to you that where you die is where I will die. And the Bible told us that as soon as Naomi saw that Ruth was not only, that Ruth had not only made up her mind, but that she was determined that she was committed to following her. What happened? The Bible says she stopped convincing her. She stopped making up her mind. She stopped trying to tell her to change her mind. And that is the same thing you find when you have made up your mind to do something. And the people around you try to convince you otherwise. And then you make up your mind that you continue to pursue that thing. And the more they tell you to stop, the more you move forward. The more they try to discourage you, the more you move forward. You will notice that at one point in time, they will say, okay, let's leave him alone. Okay? They will leave you alone because they know that at that point in time, you are committed to seeing the fulfillment of that particular decision that you have made. But if when they tell you to go back... You know, when they tell you to go back and you just step back, what happened? They will, you, you will not be able to get to where you're going. And that's what happened to the other lady, Offer. 
The Bible says that when Naomi was ready to go, both of them said, let us go together. Both of them were willing to walk with her. But as soon as Naomi said, oh, no, 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 please go back. I'm an old woman. I can't give you anything. More. What happened to Offa? Offa said, thank you very much. I had no plan of going in the first place. You know, because she was not committed to it. She just wanted to do it like an eye service. She wanted to make sure that it doesn't appear. Ah, this old woman is seen. You know, she's old and she's going back to Jerusalem. And she's going back to uh, Bethlehem. We, we do not look nice if I don't follow her. So let me try to offer that I'm going. That was what Offa was doing. But as soon as Naomi gave her that ticket and said, you don't have to follow me, please go back. I said, oh, thank you. And she took the opportunity. But you will see that Ruth had already made up her mind that this woman, as she's going, I'm going to go with her. Ruth made that particular commitment. And even when she was being persuaded to go back, she insisted. That is the only way we can go from where we are to where we need to be. Okay? Ruth's commitment to Naomi was, you know, came when Ruth did not need to make any commitment. Because at that point in time, Naomi had nothing to offer. The sons were dead. Naomi was old. She didn't have any children else to give to, to, give to Naomi, to give to Ruth, Ruth anymore to marry. So at that point in time, Ruth did not, uh, did not you don't need to make that particular commitment. Ruth did not need to, uh, you know, Ruth, uh, Ruth, uh, Ruth no longer had any commitment, had no, no longer had any connection with, uh, with Naomi. Okay? Ruth no longer had the opportunity, had the opportunity to move along. The problem, like the, the, the issue right now is that Ruth did something that was just extraordinary. Something that was not usual. Okay? There was no need for Ruth to make that commitment. There was no need for it. Because there is no longer husband. The woman is old. They are going to a place they have never been before. You are leaving the, secu the security of your own home country. You are going to a place that nobody knows you. And you are making a commitment that anywhere this woman goes where you are going to go. There was no reason for that commitment. But yet, Ruth made that commitment. The same thing in our own individual lives. What is the thing that God is putting in your heart? What is that vision that you have for yourself, for your children, for your family? What is that vision that you have that you are saying that I'm going to walk towards? Is it pursuing a particular degree? Is it doing a particular kind of business? Is it opening a particular line of action? The thing is that when the thing does not even appear, when nobody can see it, when nobody understands what you are doing, you make a commitment to seeing it come to pass. That was what happened to Ruth. When nobody knew the future for the, for Naomi, at that point in time, Ruth was already making a commitment. Okay, when there was no need for her to make a commitment, if if she did not make that commitment, nothing will happen to her. Nobody will shoot her. Nobody will arrest her. If she decided not to follow Naomi, nothing will happen. But she decided to follow. Number two, Ruth's commitment to Naomi came when there was no longer a living connection or a living relationship. Okay. When there was no relationship, when there was no, when there was no obligation for Ruth to make a commitment, Ruth made that commitment. Okay? Number three, Ruth made a commitment to Naomi when Naomi had nothing to offer. When Naomi had nothing to offer, Ruth made a commitment. Because when you look at the, when you look at the situation around you, and you look at the condition around you, and you're saying, I'm making a commitment to study to become a lawyer, to study to become an accountant, to study to become a medical doctor. When there is nothing around you to say that, yes, somebody in your family has ever been there like that, has ever achieved that particular feat before. When there is no encouragement, when there is nothing to show that it is possible, you still make a commitment to study, you still make a commitment to see those things happening in your life. Number four. Ruth's commitment to Naomi came when Ruth had an opportunity for a fresh start. Okay? One thing we must understand is that in the Jewish culture, once you are married, and in most cultures of the world, once you are married to a particular individual, you are now a member of that family. Okay? 
And as soon as the person you are married to dies, what happens is that there is a possibility, you know, if you want to leave, you are free to leave. The husband of Ruth is dead. She had no longer, there's no obligation anymore. There's nothing tying them together anymore. They don't even have children together. So there is nothing tying them together. This was an opportunity for her to walk away. But she did not walk away. Ruth made a commitment even when she had the opportunity for a fresh start. With no need for commitment, with no need for obligation, with no obligation to make a commitment, with nothing to offer and with a clear opportunity to, 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 to be free from the family, apparently that are fallen on bad luck, Ruth made a commitment, you know, Ruth committed herself anyway. Ruth committed herself anyway. The question is why? Why did she make that commitment? Like I said earlier on, the Bible did not tell us why. But if you read the scriptures, you will begin to have an idea. Based on the words that Ruth spoke, you can begin to have an idea of why Ruth made the commitment. Number one, Ruth understood the power of commitment. That was one of the reasons why she made that commitment. He said, your people shall be my people. Why would Ruth make that kind of a comment? Remember I said that in the Jewish culture and in most cultures of the world, when you marry into a family, you are a member of that family. Okay? If you are a member of that family, what happens? It means that you suffer the things they suffer, you enjoy the things that they enjoy. Ruth saw herself not just as a daughter-in-law, but as a daughter of Naomi. And that she was willing to do anything for her own mother. And that is why she understood. She understood the power of commitment. She made a commitment through marriage that brought her into the family of Elimelech and made her a daughter-in-law of Naomi. And by that extension, she decided to keep on with the power of commitment. The same thing. What commitment have we made? What promise have we made to somebody or to a particular cause? Unless you understand the power of commitment, you might not be able to move forward. Number two, Ruth understand, Ruth understood that the person, the Ruth understood the person and the character of the God of Israel. Look at what she was saying when Naomi was trying to put her, tell her to go back. He said, your God shall be my God. The Moabites have their own gods. And that is what she had worked with all the days of her life until she got involved with the family of Elimelech. And when she got in, got in touch with the, got involved with the family of Elimelech, she began to understand and to appreciate what and who the God of Israel was. What he's able to do. He, she understood that anyone associated with the God of Israel shall not be put to shame. She knew the reputation of the God of Israel. Because everybody in that particular area knew what God had done for the children of Israel when he brought them out of the, brought them out of Egypt and took them to the promised land. They knew the reputation of the God of Israel. And Naomi understood that when you are associated with that God, you will not be put to shame. And that is why when you make a commitment to God, the Bible makes us understand that those who call upon the name of the Lord shall not be put to shame. She understood the value of being associated with the God of Israel through Naomi. Number three, why did Ruth stay with Naomi? She stayed because she understood that commitment opens the door of blessing. Commitment opens the door of blessing. A student committed to studying the word, studying, studying, studying her, uh, her books, you know, committed to studying her book. What will, what will you find? You find a student that understands and knows the subject. 
a man who is committed to a particular trade or a particular craft, what do you find? That man becomes an expert in that particular area. A person who is committed to a particular relationship, what do you find? That relationship begins to grow and begin to exceed. A person committed to the Almighty God, what do you find? That particular relationship will begin to grow and God begins to pay attention to that person. Ruth understood that the power, understood the power of commitment and that commitment will open the door of blessing unto her. And the interesting thing is that if you read that same book of Jewel Root, it's a very small book. You can read it in you can read it in a city in under an hour, you should be able to finish reading it. But if you go, if you get to verse number four, uh, sorry, chapter four, chapter four of the book of Ruth, you will find out that there was a man called Boaz who was a family of Elmelech. And the Bible says that that particular Boaz was a rich man. Now, when uh, when Ruth got to Bethlehem, Boaz was threshing the floor. He was threshing the, uh, you know, his field, and he was harvesting. And what happened is that eventually they got connected. Boaz now married Ruth, and Ruth now became the grandmother of David, king of Israel. If she had stayed in Moab, that would never have happened. Okay. The point we are making is that, and David was not just any half person. If you know who we call Jesus Christ, and we remember the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are called that Jesus is the son of David. Here was a woman who had no connection to Israel. But because of a commitment to a woman that appeared to have no future, because of a commitment to a woman that appeared to have fallen on bad luck. Because of a commitment to a woman who seems to have miscalculated by leaving Bethlehem Judah to come to Moab. Because of that particular woman. This woman that was not part of the promise of God became an ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ. Commitment opens the door of blessings in your life. Commitment opens that blessings. Ruth understand, uh, understood that as long as she keeps her commitment to the God of Israel, she will be rewarded. And that was why we see, just like I said, in the book of Ruth chapter 4 verse 13, that Boaz married Ruth and Ruth became the ancestor of our Lord Jesus Christ through, the Lord, through that particular man called Jesse. Jesse was the father of David. Commitment to the Lord opens, to the, door, opens the door of blessing. Ruth understood that commitment, that it was a path to actualizing her future dream. The Bible tells us in the book of Psalm 37 verse 25. I have been young and now I am old. I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seeds begging bread. I have been young and now I am old. In other words, it's talking about the faithfulness of the almighty God. It's talking about the God who promises and delivers. It's talking about the God who when you associate with that particular God, you will never be disappointed. That's basically what this psalm is saying. I have been young, and now I'm old. Yet have I not seen the righteous forsaking nor his seats begging prayers. The question there is, what is commitment? What is commitment? Commitment is an agreement or a pledge to do something in the future. It is a state of an instant, you know, of an instant of being obligated. A state of obligation. To commit is to pledge yourself to certain purposes or line of conduct. And as I like to always define commitment, I like to define commitment as practicing what you say you believe daily. Practicing what you say you believe daily. In other words, commitment is a pers- is persistence with purpose. When you are persistent in fulfilling that particular thing that you have talked, that you have uh, promised to do. Now, commitment rests on two things. If we are going to talk about commitment that you want to be a person whose commitment is rest on two foundations. The first foundation is the foundation of faith. Until you believe, you cannot commit. Okay? 
until you believe something, you cannot commit. Last, I think, is it last week or the two weeks ago when we were talking about faith and we we're talking about belief, we said that you will not sit on a chair unless you do what? Unless you believe that that chair is strong enough to carry your weight. When you sit on the chair, what are you saying? You are saying that I believe and I'm making a commitment by sitting down. Until you believe, you cannot commit. Until you believe that this is the sweetheart of your life. <laughs> you cannot walk up to that particular altar and say, yes, I do. You will not do it. If you don't believe that that guy is reliable. If you don't believe the woman is reliable, you will never make that commitment. So, the first foundation of commitment is the foundation of faith. The second foundation is the foundation of action. Faith without action is dead. You can believe it all you want. You can say it all you want. You can declare it all you want. If you don't do anything about it, it is nothing. It is meaningless. It's meaningless. No matter how beautiful a burger looks on the table, no matter how beautiful the picture is on the TV, until you take that burger and actually put it in your mouth, it is useless. It will not do you any good. You understand? It will not do you any good. The idea is that the foundation of commitment rests on two things. The foundation of faith, the foundation of action. Unless you believe and you take action, you cannot make commitment. When the foundation of faith is supported by the foundation of action, that is when commitment is possible. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.